On today's episode of the Wealth Collective Podcast, I'm joined by Anthony and Zach talking about the value of financial advice, also sort of uncovering what are some of the common misconceptions and how to actually tell whether you are getting value for money with your financial advisor. We hope you enjoy the show. Everything we talk about on today's podcast is general advice only because we don't know your individual personal situation. Before you act on anything we've spoken about, you should chat to your financial advisor. And if you don't have one, feel free to reach out to us. Now, on to today's show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Wealth Collective podcast. It's Pete Pennycott here, and I'm joined today with my co-host, financial advisor at Picada, Zach Masters. How are you doing, Zach? Good, thanks, Pete. How are you? Yeah, feeling pretty good. Um, winter's ticking in, but we're also um, joined on the podcast again, back after what it was a stellar debut, um, and definitely the fans have been demanding it, so we've given them what they wanted. Director and financial planner at AJM Advisory, Anthony Malvaso. Hey guys, and thanks for having me back. Uh, looking forward to a great show. Yeah, it was a um, big week last week, huge response. Um, how many messages did you get, Anthony? And. A fair few. <laughs> uh, have you had to sign any autographs this week? Yeah. yeah, it's a big deal. I have, but that's it's more like the, the pandemic's over, where you have to go into <laughs> when you go to a uh, for, out for lunch to a cafe or a pub, you need to sign your autograph. <laughs> no, let's hope it's more for the podcast. And, and not have so you much. have you actually ventured out and you've done that check in for um, sitting down for a. a or a meal and a beverage? I have, and uh, done it with numerous referral partners, business partners, and friends. And yeah, it, Friday, yeah. first week was good. It was a bit strange coming back, you know. It's Everyone's uh, self-isolated, like the metre and a half. Social distance, sorry. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been, um, been interesting, but great to be out socialising. Oh, very good. And we're sort of heading into the weekend now, and... I don't know, sort of tax times looming, Australia's officially in a recession. So what better time to be talking about the value of having really good advisor? So that's what we want to talk about today. So the value of financial advice. And I think when things are uncertain uh, and the ground's a bit shaky underneath, I think really this is the time that you sort of want to be, you know, checking in and you want to sort of be making sure you're getting value out of your advice relationship. So... I think I might want to kick off with probably what are the misconceptions that we might have when looking at financial advice and maybe what people don't understand or sort of see value in. I might sort of pass through to you first, Zach, on this one. Yeah, so I think one of the main or most common misconceptions about financial advice is that it's all about investment returns. Um, so especially at the, the moment when we've seen a slight down period or down um, turn in the market, um, people often getting you know worried and things like that but an advisor should be able to help guide you through and make sure that you're not making any silly financial decisions and there's also a lot of intangible things that an advisor does um, that don't necessarily relate to investment returns i think that's only a small part um, of the overall things that a good financial advisor should be doing for you uh, is that something that you agree with anthony yeah couldn't agree with more uh in my career uh, generally, when talking to the barbecue or when, you know, you're in a social event, doesn't apply to 2020, obviously, but uh, in the past, uh, three main main topics, the main questions I've been asked, do you supply mortgages, which we don't? Uh, can you save me tax, which we can't? And do you only sell products, which we definitely don't? And that's more of a 
working in the bank, coming from the Royal Commission. But uh, you can you can work off that and you can be the sounding board and correct that. But that is one of the main misconceptions of financial planning that I've had in the past. I think it's that thing of maybe maybe it's on us as financial advisors to better articulate what we do. Because I think that is, like we are... We do run point guard, like, you know, in terms of in talking basketball parlance and um, we won't get into who's the goat uh, of all time because um, <laughs> one of the people on the podcast today really has no grasp on that LeBron's the goat. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that point guard role is the facilitator, the, the person in the middle that is really the sort of the, the person that gets the team going and gets all of your finances going. And I think that's what I see my role is as a financial advisor. Um, and that's maybe where it gets confusing because I do introduce them to a mortgage broker. I do mm. manage their investments or sort of um, engage the you know research houses to give me the tools I need to actually help implement that for mm. them or put them in touch with the right people. So do you think like I don't know mm. like is that something? Would you agree with that? Like do, is that what you're thinking, Zach? That maybe it's on us. Maybe we're the people that aren't explaining clearly enough what we do and what we don't do. Yeah, I think potentially, and that's why it's probably a good idea for a lot of people to sit down with a financial advisor, uh, because it's also true that you know not all financial advisors do the same things um, as well. So there's a lot of you know different offerings out there that are available to people, um, and not every advisor does the same thing. Because yeah, similar to your point, um, it's not necessarily that we're going to be doing your tax returns or your um, putting your you know your loan application in, but there might be where we're putting you in touch with a mortgage broker and we're putting together a strategy that outlines you know should you be paying down your debt or should you have an offset account or those types of things. So we touch on on the debt strategy and similar to the tax thing, um, we're not necessarily we're not doing your tax returns or um, maybe full strategic tax planning, but there's going to be elements of our advice that are going to touch on that area and hopefully. Um, make you more efficient in terms of tax as well. So I think that's where some people can get confused is that we do touch on a lot of different areas. Absolutely agree, Zach. But one thing with uh, the misconception, it's easily turned around where you can demonstrate your value quite easily. If you're, you know, you care about your clients, you understand where they are and where they want to go. And you can, as you just said, you can introduce them to someone who can help them with their tax or a mortgage or, anything that we don't directly uh, assist with, mm. but you can definitely be the sounding board, as Pete said. Yeah, and as and every profession probably thinks they are, and we're biased because we're financial advisors, but I think we sit at the centre of it all. Like, we know enough about all those different parts and can get that the cohesion between all of that, that trusted advice network, and you should have a board of advice you can call on. And you don't want a jack of all trades. You want a specialist. So financial advisors, yeah. we're specialists in giving financial advice. We're not lawyers. We're not accountants. Um, or I'm not. Um, well, I did an accounting degree, but that's another story <laughs> for another day. So, oh, look at my qualifications. You want to be the quarterback, so to speak. You want to be the Tom Brady. You want Jeez. to be, you want to be passing to it off in. to everyone <laughs> and helping them out. Yeah, and I think that's it. So, look, with the... Looking at now what the misconceptions are, let's talk about what is the value of a financial advisor. And I know there's been there's been quite a lot of studies done on this and probably the two biggest ones that stand out. One was a US study from Vanguard. They estimated or calculated the value of advice to be around about 3%. 
that three percent of per annum what, your of your balance or? additional to yeah. the additional return. sort of that's the advisor's alpha. Um, yep. So, and then you've got another one which is locally Sun Super as well. So, you know, generally, sort of from all the studies that I've seen, Investnet did one in the US as well. It's estimated somewhere between one point eight percent and three percent is the advisor's alpha, um, uh-huh. and that's not to be. It's not the extra investment return, but it is, you know, that behavioural coaching, every aspect of it, not making dumb decisions. So you know, putting your money into the right tax structure. So should it be super? Should it be personal? Should it be in a, a trust? All those sort of things add up and they accumulate similar to, you know, any good strategy or if you're going to the gym and you have a program drawn up, it's a lot better than just going in there and sort of doing dumbbell curls all the time. Um, oh. Probably not the most efficient time. And look, you know, again, I'm sort of referring to, you can't say it, podcast is not good for this, but we're all looking pretty <laughs> shredded here. Um, I don't know. Like, if you had to sum it up, Anthony, like, what would you say is the true value of financial advice? I think being that sounding board, like, when the budget, when the federal budget comes out, you're the first person they call. When they want to buy a new car, you're the first person they call. When they want to buy a house, you know, how am I going to retire? You're their trusted advisor. I think possibly that's the new term of a financial planner, financial advisor, trusted advisor. I've uh, got many other referral partners in other finance industries like uh, lending and they're looking at a similar sort of thing where they're getting paid for advice and they're a trusted advisor and I think that's where our industry's been for a long time but it's been it's been like it's hard to the from an outside view it's hard to see it that way yeah, and I thought I think that's that's a good point, and you do want to be the person that they come to because it might not be immediately like obvious that it's financially related, but I think most like you want to know what's happening in your client's life. So, you know, what's happening with the kids? Like one of my clients now, they're looking to they need their children sort of play violin, so we need to fund the purchase of a violin. And I would, you know, violins are expensive apparently, so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we need to do that. And that's not a, a, a financial goal because it's like, I want to support my children in their endeavors, but there are finances right. attached to it and we need that. And, um, so those things like cars, the budget, it's just that peace of mind that you can give someone so they're not stressing about money and they go, they know that you're thinking about them and they can sort of focus on everything else that's important to them and not getting, you know, have decision fatigue by focusing on, oh, I need to watch ABC News to try and understand what's going on in the world. I need to read the Fin Review, The Economist, uh, Morningstar debriefs, like everything. Um, they can focus on what they do best. Well, I don't I'm, know. Sure, I'm sure Zach and Pete, you both agree, your best clients are the ones that just call you about everything. Any financial decision, you're their first call. Yeah, and just... Sometimes yeah. it's painful, but... Just being involved in the conversation, I think. Exactly. Is, is, and we appreciate that because we're in a privileged position to be a part of their lives and be sort of uh, have that intimate understanding of what's going on. So... Uh, Zach, if you had to, if you had to sort of hit the nail on the head of what you see as the value of financial advice, how would you sort of, um, how would you summarise that? Yeah, so I've think, been thinking about this um, for a few days, and when I first started thinking about this question, I thought the true value of financial advice considered many different areas. You know, it's how you're tracking towards your goals. Are you avoiding making financial mistakes? Like we still um, hear of stories of uh, people who switch their um, funds from growth assets to cash in 2008 um, specifically like sometimes I have you know over the last few years you've had clients come in and they're still sitting in cash um, 
since to, since the GFC, and you're you're wondering, you know, what's the percentage loss that they've experienced that have they um, have stuck with those growth assets? And well, they're I think, just waiting uh, for the right time, aren't they? They're just they're about perfect. Yeah, but then you get anchoring bias because um, you know the price goes up, and then you go, oh, it's going to drop back down again, but it never gets there. So you never know when that right opportunity is potentially to get back in the market. Um, and that's the all the statistics show and history shows that. Um, if you miss that initial up or, or upturn, uh, it's very hard then and your overall result is a lot worse. Um, so little things like that where an advisor can help guide you through that and help keep you calm and uh, help you stay invested through those those downtimes. Because I, I think I've heard you say before, Peter, um, it's usually in the downtimes that an advisor shows they're worth more so than when things are just tracking along well. Oh, yeah. Look, and that's what you were saying before. Like People get confused with thinking you're an investment consultant or a stockbroker probably when we're most valuable is when the shit hits the fan um and investment returns are not good and you're protecting them on the downside that matters more than when everyone's good and the you know the tide lifts all boats and everyone's making money um yeah look i'd I'd absolutely agree with that and that's the thing of going you are most valuable when people are sort of most scared and most prone to making emotional decisions about their money. And if we can be the unemotional sort of rock that they can sort of lean on and sort of speak candidly, and I think that's the the key of we're in the inner sanctum there. So we're we're a trusted advisor. You know they can speak openly, so there's no judgment. It's a judgment-free zone. You can share your thoughts, your feelings, your fears. and get it all out there, and you've got someone who understands your situation but is also a professional, um, so they can actually sit back and go, okay, understand, absorb, listen. Okay, here's where we go from here, and give you some yeah. actions, give you some peace of mind. That, okay, things are okay, going to be okay. We've planned for this. We've got a plan in place. I'm going to remind you of that plan now because we knew shit was going to happen. I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't predict COVID last year, but I did predict... Something was going to happen at some point. We're going to get a kick in the pants. I don't know yeah. how hard the kick in the pants will be. Um, and that's it. Like, you know, Anthony, you've been through. GFC was probably one that sticks in our minds quite vividly. Uh, being in, like, we're in a, a large financial institution, a bank. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people feeling pretty nervous at that time, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And that's when you really show your worth, when the chips are down. <laughs> Uh, but I think where financial planning needs to get and where people really see the value is when you hear people talk about their account, that's my trusted account. Like, I've got to check with my accountant. Mm. That's where financial planners need to be. And our best clients, I'm sure both Zach and Pete, both of you have, have clients like that. But that's where, the, as they say, the euphoria is. That's where you want to be. You know, mm. someone buying a car i'm calling the financial plan first even though yeah it's it not a way it not a waste of time but it's just this is the added value well you don't know like you might be missing something it might seem simple but there might be some gain to be had or might be a connection that they've got to support you on that and i think it is that it's a, a mixture of support and accountability um and like the things i'd sort of it's akin to you can have all of the apparatus at home so you can have dumbbells which i do have at home you can have a sit-up bench which i do have at home you know how often i get on those things or use them Not never obviously i yeah. can see you in the office here <laughs> uh, 
Ah, Couldn't even he... run 100 metres last week. So. Yeah, no, I did attempt to run the tan with Anthony last week, which is, we didn't, wasn't running. We'll say a walk. Yeah. <laughs> I did puncture a, a, one of my air bubbles in my uh, Nike shoes, so if Nike's listening, please send shoes. Um, so, but I think it is that mix of accountability and, you know, the support. It's like, you know, you get better, even if you know all the exercises that you need to do, you've got all the apparatus, having a personal trainer, someone there to remind you and push you, you're going to get better results. And I think that's a similar sort of thing here as well. And that's sort of what I think brings that all together, that value of advice. Um, so moving on from there, how, how does someone know that's not a financial advisor? So they're not us, they can't see through the veil and behind the scenes and sort of peer behind the curtain. How do they know? How do you know if you're getting good advice? Like if you're, one of your clients sort of quizzes you, perhaps Zach, and says, hey, what's going on? I'm not fear, like how do I know if this is working? How, am I, how do I know if I'm getting value for money? How do you sort of, um, to our listeners out there, and that might not be our clients, um, how should they be understanding like if they're getting value for money? Yeah, and this has been um, an issue that, like, whenever we go to a lot of um, professional development days or things like that, this is something that um, is a common common thing in our industry of going, how do financial advisors show their worth? Because it's something that uh, maybe in the past that um, we as an industry haven't been great at showing things. Your statement might show your investment returns and things like that, but are we actually showing you what we're doing? Because I think you need to look at um, what or where would I be without my financial advisor. So what would have, where you're trying to imagine what position you would have been in, um, you know, without them, if you'd continued on that same track, because there's going to be a lot of different things that aren't involved in just those investment returns each year, but it's going to be, you know, am I feeling better, which is mm. a very hard thing to then um, quantify. Yeah. Um, am I, you know, am I less worried at night because of my finances? Um, have I got insurances in place and therefore my family's protected? Is my estate plan in order? All these different types of things that aren't necessarily quantifiable to a dollar value very easily. That's how you've got to also look at financial advice, I think. Absolutely, Zach. Agree 100%. And value is different to different people. You know, people in their retirement, you know, can they fund their, their living expenses? You know, people are younger. Can they buy a home? Can they fund their kids' education? Can they buy a car? Depends. Every individual is different, but... And yeah, they'll, so they'll, they'll experience value differently as well. So that's, yeah, it's a good ab- point. Absolutely. So I think if, if they're not... If they can't distribute that value, like if you can't... If the, if the client can't see you as value, there's a problem there. Yeah, but it might just be a misunderstanding as well because I think sometimes people, mm. clients don't necessarily realise all the things you're doing behind the scenes. Mm. Um, and that's sometimes a lot of the the magic and the value like the the awesome stuff happens and we don't you don't know what's happening because you're like hang on i haven't worried about or even thought about my financial advice i haven't worried about it well actually that means i'm probably i may be doing a really awesome job because i'm absorbing all that pressure for you behind the scenes and just making life simple for you but pete yeah uh one thing about our industry that does frustrate probably all of us and we're we we're, we're sort of employed in people's lives not to, to hide that like we're supposed to make it easy mm. as opposed to not to turn it against other industries but you get build hours in other hang on who are you gonna <laughs> no no but you get you get built set a few of the sponsors of the show you know 
you know, you get billed hours in certain industries. With ours, you know, you get pay you pay for a fee for service, and mm. you, there's you know a certain list that you do offer, and it goes over and above mostly. Sometimes you know it doesn't work with all clients, but but um, I think that's our job to really you know show your value. Mm. But I think it's that it is peace of mind. Like that's how do you know if you've got value? It's you're not worrying about your money. Like you're not worrying about your finances. You're on track. Like as Zach mentioned before, um, and there that is not necessarily always quantifiable. But that's what you're paying for. Like you're paying for peace of mind, and it should be relative as well. Like you're like depending on your needs, your fees should vary as well. So you know, if you're the more you've got at stake, the more your advisor needs to do. That's where you need to sort of make sure that, that it's commensurate. So the effort and energy, and if your needs are simple, your, your fees should reflect that. So it should be an open conversation. If you're not feeling like you are getting value, have a conversation with your advisor because most of them, I'm sure, would be happy to have an open and frank chat about it and say, hey, all right, well, this is what I've been doing. You may not, have, you may not be aware of this. Or the answer might be exactly what you think and go, actually, you know what? They're not doing jack shit. I don't know. Are we allowed to swear on you? I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not Depends doing if it's HBO. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think like that's all. That's how you need to work about it. And are you passing the sleep test? And the other big thing for me is are you getting value? Is how often are you hearing from your advisor? Uh, and in particular, when things aren't great, are you hearing from them then? Or are they sticking their head under the sand and sort of just going sort of... Uh, completely silent and I think if that's the case maybe maybe look for another advisor um, because you should be hearing from them regularly but not too much that they're a pain in your butt so I don't know it's a two way street have a conversation with the advisor if you're not feeling it um, and then yeah like ask the questions so uh, that's it anything else on like how to get value or are you happy for me to I might dip into the mailbag after this if you gentlemen are okay with the question let's do it alright so Got a question here, uh, so I have to put my glasses on because the font is very small. Whoever printed this out, thank you. Um, so I listened to your recent episode on insurances um, and was wondering about the need for income protection insurance and what your thoughts are on it. Uh, I took it out two years ago um, from a financial advisor. Um, I was a sole income earner at the time, had a rental pro rental income from an investment property. Um, since sold that property, I've got investments sitting there. I've got an emergency fund of three months worth of expenses. Um, my partner's now working. Um, do I actually need this anymore is the question. So um, thank you for sending that in, uh, Jackie. Who wants to tackle this one? I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it to Anthony first here to yep. have a crack at it, yeah, given definitely. he's the, the guest here. Well, the easy answer is no, but it... There's Thank you. Enough said. Full stop. <laughs> no, but there's the, you need to dig in deeper. Uh, th having three months. No, you uh, don't need it anymore. No, you definitely. No, you definitely need it. Okay. Just to clarify. <laughs> Not to cancel it. Sorry. Some, some, Sorry. People, some people actually switched off the podcast. <laughs> just saying, oh, I'm done. No more. Income, no more. Income. No. Did <laughs> in short, if you need to continue working, you need your income protection. Otherwise, you'd stop working. Yeah. Uh, you don't work, you know, building up assets, building up a portfolio to create passive income until you're able to retire, so to speak. You need your income protected. Uh, there are ways to, you know, review that, uh, really uh, let, lower the premium in terms of waiting periods, funding it through super, through 
through, uh, you know, uh, different ways. But uh, definitely I'd be speaking to someone before you looked at cancelling it. Yeah, I think you do need to get advice. And like Zach's the resident um, insurance expert within our exactly. business. Exactly. So I, I'm not going to... I'm going to sit this one out and sort of... Probably should have hand-passed that to Zach. Oh, you should. No excuses for you. Oh, Zach. So I'm going to pass to you because I'm going to sit this one out. So um, what do you think? How would you you approach... Obviously, generally, we don't know Jackie's personal situation, um, but how would you maybe for someone in a similar circumstances, what do you think? Yeah, so I think the common misconception um, that this question also addresses is that income protection, um, you know, is just there to pay for those those baseline general living expenses and things like that. So they've mentioned um, in the question that, uh, you know, if they were unable to, to work anymore, that the husband's salary would still be enough to cover the general living expenses, and that might be the case. But then you've got to think about what about your future goals? So that could be your retirement goals. You're suddenly are just meeting your baseline expenses, but you've got no other funds to invest. You've got nothing going into super, um, all those other types of things that people don't necessarily think about, um, kind of get in the way and make and mean that you you definitely do need to kind of make sure you have some income protection in place or or an income protection in policy in place that's commensurate to to your income. So that's the one thing that I'd um, mention first is that it's it's not just a case of oh we can meet our baseline expenses without my income. It's that insurance is really there to keep you on the path that you're currently at. Mm. So if you're picturing a, um, you know, a line graph, you're picturing a diagonal line that you're slowly creeping towards retirement. At any stage where you cut your income out, that line's going to stop because you're not going to be able to accumulate wealth. You're just pretty much going to be able to pay those day-to-day expenses, and that's not ideal. And so, yeah, in short, really, you've got to look at do I need my income to survive? So that might be the case, but do I need my income to meet whatever future goals I have? And I'd likely say that, that you're still going to need that income um, past that three-month buffer that you've got because you don't know if you have something that's going to keep you off for work for longer than three months. Yeah, couldn't agree more, Zach. Also, you don't know if you can get new insurance down the road. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, don't want to get too technical, but underwriting's got tougher. Uh, your health, as you get older, your health sort of does decrease at some level. And if you've got a policy in place, definitely need to speak to someone before cancelling it to see what there is to maintain yeah. it, keep it in place, because down the track you may need it and you may not be able to get it. No, that's a very good point, especially at the moment too. With we've lost, you know, agreed value on any new policies and. Um, different things like that it's yeah it becomes more important than ever to go and speak to a a trusted insurance advisor um before you'd go and cancel any insurance coverage i like it and i've just left a little bit out of this question as well it says ps it's super expensive in all caps any uh (laughs) any thoughts on (laughs) does that change it i'd say just speak to your advisor or seek you know another advisor and just see what's out in the market and but there are ways to really reduce the premium but it depends what's expensive relative to your lifestyle, you know. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What's ex- what's considered expensive? Yeah, uh. what what the monthly premium is might be what you're spending in a week in coffees or something yeah. like that. So it's just good to speak to someone who's within the industry or, or that you trust and 
see you know, what's best for your situation. It's value for money. Have a look at waiting periods, benefit periods. I think all that would be before you make rash decisions on what's it. Because I think a lot of people go in hot thinking, oh, it's really expensive. And then peel it back and compare it to other things that you potentially pay insurance for. Your income's going to be worth substantially more than a lot of those other things that you insure. Uh, especially if you have a long working career ahead of you. So I might wrap it up there. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for all of your insights. Um, and you know, I think that was one of the best shows we've ever done. So I uh, very much enjoyed your company. Any parting Thank remarks? You. No. Yeah, um, just if you, haven't, yeah, if you haven't sat down with a financial advisor or you're questioning you know, what is the true value of advice, most advisors have a fee and obligation free initial appointment. So just book one in um, and then you should be able to get a better understanding of of what it is exactly that financial advisors do. Especially now with all video conferences, you don't even need to leave the comfort of your, your bedroom or your living room and you do it in your PJs. So exactly. what, a, what a great time to sort of sample the delights of financial advisors out there. So, um, But with that in mind, we hope you've enjoyed the show and got something out of it. If you have, please share, pass it on. We want to get the message out there and sort of um, we're on a mission to help as many people get better with their personal finances as they can. So if you have enjoyed it, give us five stars. If you've got any questions for future episodes, we do enjoy them, even though I butcher them. Um, so please send them in um, and give us five stars, not four. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it and we'll uh, see you back here. Same bat time, same bat channel next week. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. See you later.